0: Armistice.
1: with the news released just moments ago that CJ Bruton and the Adelaide 36ers are parting ways by mutual agreement. The statement reads that we thank CJ for his tireless efforts both on and off the court, but we believe it's time to go in a new direction. Words from the Sixers CEO, Nick Barbato, and the 36ers would like to thank CJ for his time at the club and wish him and his family all the best for future endeavors. CJ finishes with a record of 27 and 40 over 67 games. Gentlemen, welcome to both of you. First Reactions. Wow. We don't advocate or like to see any head coach or player lose their job. Sad to
2: see CJ go, somebody who I respect as a person, as a player, NBL 24. You gotta get results. Well, I hate the timing of it. Coming off of the uh, the tough road trip that we've talked about, we understand mistakes were made, but I just feel like you let him get through this holiday period and see if he has the ability to turn it around. They're currently at 4-9. You give him another four or five games. If he turns it around, you're in a good position and you've got a quality person and a promising coach still in the mix. Now you're really rolling the dice and things could get really bad if the new interim coach Scott Nennis isn't able to stabilize the troops. soon as Nick Barbada, the CEO came out and said just two days ago now, he said CJ has a contract to the end of the season. As soon as he said that, I figured here comes some shenanigans. Now obviously that weekend was horrific on all accounts, this is the time to see if they can dig themselves out of a bit of a hole. And Scott News, he's an Adelaide guy. I'm not sure if he's the one. I mean, head coach experience, none. So I think it's just messy right now. From a human perspective, yep, things may not be going well professionally, but doing this right as we enter the holiday period, sits really, nastily with me and you know i just think to be successful as a professional in whatever you do you've got to be in touch with humanity and i i hate all of that it's going to be a really awkward time now for cj and his family they'll be fine they'll work it out i realize they're probably desperate and you just can't make these types of decisions when you're desperate and you really don't
0: have a great viable alternative ready to go right away. So that clip of audio was from the MBL Now podcast. Breaking news, CJ Bruton dumped as head coach of the Adelaide 36ers. Adelaide make the move after a very disappointing road trip by the 36ers. Rumors spreading about players demanding that CJ be dropped along with Craig Simpson, the assistant coach, who also has been rumored to be part of the problem at Adelaide. This is a bit of a surprising move, even though they haven't been playing well this season in the nbl i thought they were going to stick with him but as you heard jack heverin damon lowry and Derek rucker talking about on nbl now there were internal rumblings regarding cj's management style management of the assistant coaches and after the tasmania loss the players lost faith in what CJ was trying to achieve with the club. So that's happened on the eve of round 10. Let's get straight into the recap of all the games that occurred in round 9 of NBL 24.
1: The runner from Vasilovic's too strong. It was tipped to Humphreys who gets the hand one. away there is left yeah. Body control, that finishing touch. Vasilovic knocks down that contested three. With a minute 10 to go in this quarter, the Breakers are shooting 68%. 21 to 31. Vasilovic starting to cook now. Vasilovic gives it to Isaac Humphries, operating with the reverse on the baseline. Oh, Leafa gives him some breathing room with another three. Lamb, open, look, knocking down another three. That is the Breakers' And chased off that three-point line. Saw a double there. Lamb though pulls the trigger. Knock it down another. Anthony Lamb. 22! Oh, nothing but net. Sunday Ditch. Can finds Stalin on the roll. Ditch in the other corner. You've got a call time out here. Sunday Ditch for three. Right, for Lamb. Three to shoot. Lamb with a contested three. Knocks it down. Anthony Lamb from deep. Leal for the other way though. She's
0: being fired from Right Righto, so the first game up in round nine of NBL 24, the Adelaide 36ers start a rough road trip. Over to New Zealand to play the Breakers. And it was Isaiah Liafa scoring 21 on 7-11 from the three-point line. The dude was on fire for most of this game. Breaking the game open for the New Zealand Breakers. I could have chosen my words better there. Also, Anthony Lamb, 24 points on 9 of 16 shooting. He went 4 for 9 from the three-point line. And Parker Jackson Cartwright with his 21 going 10-15 for 15. The New Zealand Breakers overall shooting 46% from the three-point line. They were absolutely on fire from range and were able to keep Adelaide at arm's length for the majority of the game. But there was a subplot to this game. Moni Mayor at Halftime was ejected by the referees. Basketball Australia has issued a statement asking Modi Mayor to please explain his press conference comments post-game where he said something to the effect of this is not the way basketball is done. This is not the way professional sports is done. So we're not sure what Coach Mayor means by that as yet. So we'll have to wait and see as to the situation with Modi Mayor and Basketball Australia. But one thing that can be said about that situation is that the NBL CEO, David Stevenson, has recently written publicly that there is now going to be a zero-tolerance attitude by the NBL and its referees in regard to abuse towards referees by coaches, by players, by... All that are involved with the league, suggesting there may need to be a bit of a clean-up in the behaviour towards referees in the NBL. As an active referee at the domestic level, I can say that there is a lot of conduct by players that referees are tolerating, which perhaps they shouldn't be. Coaches and players seem to think if they're not swearing that they can say whatever they want. This is not the case, I can tell you for a fact. And I think what the NBL CEO is trying to get at here is it's not just about foul language. It is about the way in which referees are interacted with by players and coaches in particular. Any form of hostility, condescension via players and coaches, or even just persistent arguing with the calls after a clear boundary has been set by the referee, if coaches and players overstep this boundary in an egregious form by just not listening to the referees, not abiding by what has been advised by the referees then that's when technical fouls and ejections are warranted it is not just in regard to foul language that is way too narrow a metric to measure your conduct by there has to be a greater understanding and level of respect given to the referees everybody agrees that it is an incredibly hard job to do, yet the behavior does not seem to change And that is why you're seeing statements by the NBL CEO in regard to this. That's off the topic a little bit. It does relate to this game. However, the ejection of Coach Mayor did not affect the result in the end. The New Zealand Breakers were able to take this game out due to the Adelaide 36ers not playing well enough at the start of the game and allowing a big gap to form as the New Zealand Breakers scored 37 In the first quarter to Adelaide's 17. Unfortunately, the 36ers did not seem to recover from that slow start. They were able to get the margin back into single digits by the half. However, they were not able to find the necessary offense at their end in order to be competitive in this game. Trey Kell, 8 points on 3 of 11 shooting. This is not good enough. For a guy that's looked at to be a cornerstone of your offense. Isaac Humphreys, 10 points on four or five shooting. Only went to the line three times. As a team, Adelaide did get to the line a decent amount. Jacob Wiley was 4-for-4 from the free throw line. Across the board, as a team, Adelaide did get to the foul line 27 times, connecting on 19 of those foul shots for 70%. This is below par for an NBL side, in my opinion. Mitch McCarron had 11 points on 5-of-5 shooting. Jacob Wiley was 3-for-9 from the field and scored 10 points. Vasilievich. 14 points on 5 of 13 shooting, an atrocious 1 for 7 from the three point line. Jason Kaddi was 0 for 3 from the three point line. Adelaide is a team, 4 for 25 from the three point line. They simply could not compete with the shooting of the New Zealand Breakers from beyond the arc, and that was a big factor in them losing this game. Isaac Humphreys. Play has to be highlighted here as being not up to standard. He's not having a great run of late. He was a minus 19 overall. Vasilievich was a minus 15. McCarran was a minus 14. So we're just not seeing the senior experienced players from Adelaide stepping up enough here to get the scoreboard ticking over enough to be competitive with their opposition. So I think that's all that needs to be said about this game. The final score there, the New Zealand Breakers, 96 at Wolfbrook Arena to the visiting Adelaide 36ers, 83. Tajima called
1: for three. Here's Bobby Clintman flying in the air. Great look for three. Zekarski oh board. And the bucket, Sobian off balance three. That is tough. Harrison with the size advantage over Taron Armstrong. Nice move. And that's nice by Smith to the drive pull up contested. That is going to make a difference. White, great look for Chris Smith. Foul. He's doing it. Three of all goes down and one to come. Get in the ball and get out of the way. Isaac White coast to coast. Ten point lead to the Bullets game high right now. Harrison uh, found position. Big one. Wattenberg comes from the weak side. Something to think about. Isaac White for three. It's good. Oh, Mark, on a minute. Turnover. call at the other end. Three points the difference. 16 seconds left. This is some late burgers for Cairns fans. Tone ready is thrown. And the
3: little fella said, We can't get the win, but I want to
1: give me a burger.
0: All right, so at the end of another horribly commentated game by Andrew Gaze and Lennard Copeland. Brisbane going away to play Cairns and getting the win. Those fourth quarter fade-outs were definitely in the back of the mind for the Bullets as they let a 20-point lead slip, but they managed to stay tough down the stretch and stick it out. To get the win away in the sunshine, Stouch. Aaron Baines's return to Cairns was largely uneventful. He copped a few knocks, that's for sure. And the crowd seemed to enjoy that, which I thought was a little bit lowbrow, even for a Cairns crowd. But Brisbane get the result in the end, despite all that. For Cairns, Tajir McCall scored 29 on 12 of 19 shooting and shot an uncharacteristic 4 for 6 from the three-point line. Easily best on the Cairns squad, but received very little help from his counterpart in Patrick Miller. Miller, who only had the 12 points on four of nine shooting. He did have seven assists, but also five turnovers. Not quite protecting the ball at their offensive end as much as Coach Ford would have liked to have seen, I'm sure. We saw the re-emergence of Josh Roberts. This guy has been in NBL purgatory for some time, but he did receive almost nine minutes During the game, only had the two points and a couple of rebounds, but good to see him out there getting active on the defensive end at the very least. Coach Ford did admit to trying a few things during this game, including some altered lineups, some different defensive schemes. However, they didn't get much out of the bench, which was a large factor in them not being able to get the team chemistry they needed to stay tough despite them coming back from quite a large deficit bobby clipman only had the six points and a couple of rebounds uh didn't hit a three bull Quall didn't hit a three Cairns as a team only shooting 26 percent from the three-point line on six of 23 shooting that's not going to be good enough against most teams but let's focus on what brisbane did well Nathan Sobey had a terrible shooting night, 3 of 13 shooting. He did hit three three three-pointers out of eight, which probably saved his stat line a little. Also at the six rebounds, Josh Bannon shot terribly as well, two from 11 from the field for six points. He did have the eight rebounds and three assists. The shooting wasn't great overall for Brisbane, only shooting 39% from the field. They did connect on 40% of their three point shots, though. Chris Smith shooting four for seven from the three point line, six for 11 overall for 17 points. The bench was more productive for Brisbane. And Justin Shuler did mention that his squad got a little bit of time off and did a few different. Different things during the FIBA break that allowed them to revitalize to some extent. Shannon Scott returned to the lineup. He had eight points and three assists. Played about 15 minutes, so he is working his way slowly back into the lineup. Sam McDaniel still played more minutes than him. He only had the four points, a couple of rebounds, and three assists, but his work on the defensive end was outstanding on the backcourt of the Cairns Taipans. Terrell Harrison, four points and seven rebounds. This wasn't a terribly high-scoring game overall, but Brisbane did get it done Over the first three quarters and managed to hold on despite a 25 to 16 fourth quarter with Cairns making a run at them. Isaac White played an important role off the bench, hitting some timely buckets. He scored 10 points, also had five rebounds, which is outstanding for a guard in this league. Overall, it was the stick to itiveness of the Brisbane Bullets. I would still love to see more Rocco Sikarski. He had six points on three of three shooting Aaron Baines eight points on two of two shooting he went to the line six times connecting on four of those and despite the boos of the crowd kept his head thankfully for the bullets so despite the ill feeling that the crowd tried to drum up in this game it all stayed pretty amicable Cairns Taipans make a good run at the Bullets, despite going down big early. But it's the Brisbane Bullets in this one getting the result. Final score, 84 to Cairns, 79.
3: Into red numbers here for Jalen Adams against Harris. A little too nimble. Going to high percentage play. The tip in from Bolden. Inside the last three minutes of an entertaining opening quarter, Bolden from outside. Pills up the three. They've hit four threes here. Bryce is going to eat up those shots all night on that one-on-one one. Here he is pulling the trigger. And knocking down another. And the Wildcats have scored their way into the lead here. Glover now. Shot clock rolls the single numbers and we haven't said that too much for the Kings tonight and Ho pulls off another three. Double team Valentine, Tui in the paint, outside Bolden ready to go once. Wow, this is unconscious, he's hit 5-3. This time Pinder gets out quickly and Bolden steps inside him and throws it down and gives him some advice. 14 points, four boards for Jesse Wagstaff and an excellent caveat. Cotton's up to 39. Kings have had enough, Tui in the corner with a... Triple inside the last sixty seconds, Asher was there for a long time in the paint. Mismatch here against Sean Bruce goes one on one and gets it done. Look, time out, Sydney. Well, the Perth Wildcats are celebrating it's the highest score in the NBL. This things in a virtuoso display from Bryce Cotton, who comes up with forty one.
0: So, in the game of the round. The Sydney Kings go up to RAC Arena to play the Perth Wildcats, and despite a huge breakout game by Jonah Bolden, the Perth Wildcats prevail on a 40-minute, 40 41-point game by Bryce Cotton. The dude was taking on all comers in this game. He shot 12 for 27 overall, hit 3 of 13 threes, but went to the line 16 times for 14 makes. The Wildcats shoot 80% as a team overall, had 9 blocks as a team and only 6 turnovers for the game. This was an amazing game to watch. Lots of made shots and it seems counterintuitive to talk about this game as a grind out performance, but that's exactly what it was by the Perth Wildcats. Other notable mentions on the Wildcats squad, Jesse Wagstaff had 14 points on 4 of 10 shooting. He shot 3 of 7 from the 3 point line and had four rebounds and was just the glue to this squad Alexandre Saar 15 points on 6 of 8 shooting, he had 5 rebounds and a couple of blocks, but it was the players like Keanu Pinder who had 18 on 7 of 10 shooting, 9 rebounds, 5 assists and a couple of blocks. Hiram Harris only had the 5 points, but 5 rebounds, an assist and a couple of steals as well. Yeah, this was just an amazing game to watch and one of the highlights of NBL 24 so far. It looked like it was going to be a dominant performance by the Kings in the first half, but they're fantastic three-point shooting turned out to be a bit of a false positive. They still went 43% overall as a team for the game, hoisting 44 three-point shots and making 19 of them, but they were out-rebounded. They only shot 53% from the free-throw line, hitting 16 of 30, and that's one of the metrics that this game could probably be judged on. Bolden was excellent. He had an amazing game. He went 7 of 8 from behind the three-point line. He was hitting everything from beyond the arc. Very active on the defensive end, but it was his offensive output that was the highlight. He was the team high scorer for Sydney. Behind him, he had Jalen Adams scoring 21. He also had six rebounds and eight assists, but did turn the ball over five times. So he cost the team a little bit in that regard. DJ Hogue had 20 points on 4 of 8 shooting from beyond the 3-point line. There was nothing wrong with the 3-point shooting from Sydney. It's that they could not stop what Perth was trying to do at their end of the floor. Denzel Valentine had 13 points, 9 rebounds and an assist. He had a pretty good game but was a team low minus minus. 15, and it was Perth's work on the defensive end in the second half that gave them the edge in the rebounding count, and they just seemed to play a lot better as a team, the chemistry was there for Perth, they are back as one of the dominant teams in NBL 24, proving that the first three or four rounds were a bit of an anomaly, and that they needed the time to get the chemistry right. John, really, to get his rotations right and to be able to rebound the ball effectively enough and defend the opposing teams effectively enough to etch out wins, especially at home in Perth in front of the Red Army. Almost 12,000 people turned out at RAC Arena for this game and Perth scored 33 and then 31 in the two quarters of the second half to enable them to go on to get the win. It seems things are clicking in Perth for the Wildcats now. John really looking a lot more relaxed in the press conferences and Bryce Cotton admitting he is a massive 50 cent fan and suggesting that to prove that he should have dropped 50 in the game here and that he may well have done had he shot a bit better from the three-point line and not missed 10 of them but despite all that the final scoreline Perth Wildcats 114 to the Sydney Kings 105 in the highest scoring game of NBL Twenty-four so far.
3: Stavichus a test, but he was equal to it. With the left hand adds two, he puts the New Zealand breakers on top. Jackson Cartwright with it. Red numbers on the shot clock now. It's down to the baseline. It's to find a passing lane though. Oh. with the shot clock going off in the background gets it done. Jackson Cartwright feeds Lamb, he works inside Creek. This is outside Liafa. Yes. Oh, All right, we got problems. Again, Mitch Creek says I'm the man. I'm getting it done. Adds another two. At the end, Lee Arthur shot clock oh, red oh. numbers, Leartha oh. steps oh. back, he's got three dribbles. Now here's a matchup right here, I wouldn't mind, oh that's a nice backdoor cut. Green pass, hard oh. to the rim, continuation, it counts for Abercrombie with a chance at a three point. The way they're hanging up, you know, down the bottom of the ladder, I would tend to lean more towards Moffitt good offense. Mm. Bill Cummings knocks down the trips out these Melbourne Phoenix. They were desperate for that after they fell down by a game by six prior to that. Here's Lamb muscling his way in against Mitch Creek to add another two. PJC just put on a clinic for the last 45 seconds. New Zealand by seven in the second. Here's Williams muscling his way down line from close range. But he's gonna stick to what he does best as Mitch makes a nice nil no. They hold sway by two points here. A little over four minutes out from three-quarter time. Mark Jackson Cartwright got inside Brown, but confronted by Creek, relieved him of possession. A chance for the Phoenix to draw level. Ben Air wants Creek telegraphed the pass, and Anthony Lamb wasn't buying it. But here's Mark Jackson Cartwright off glass, adding two. As the Phoenix look to expand their lead in the corner, Ben Air does just that. Knocks down the three, and the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. Good vision by Sauce. High-low action right there, too. Caught mango sleep. This is what it means. So the Phoenix by five, less than four to play. Going to work here and getting the job done, Will Cummings. Well, he's embraced his role off the bench. No sulking at all. 15 in the game for him. Harry Brown, five on the shot clock. Back to Ken. And got a good look from the corner. Knocks down the three. He's in the double figures, and the Phoenix are looking strong. Now lost 14 of their last 15 games at john kane arena and the Southeast melbourne phoenix are back in the winner's list and they've done it in
0: style the new zealand breakers took on the south melbourne phoenix at john kane arena where the breakers have lost the last 14 of 15 contests at this venue and it looks shaky for the southeast melbourne phoenix quite honestly it looked a little shaky at the start will cummings sent to the bench in favor of matt kenyon bit of a surprising move from mike kelly there however it panned out in the end will cummings embracing his role off the bench and still being ultra productive for the phoenix in this game the Breakers performed admirably and Coach Modi Mayor was quite complimentary of their efforts during the game. It was a bit of a poor shooting game for them from the three-point line, despite Liafa hitting three of eight and going for 17 points overall. Anthony Lamb only had 14 points and seven rebounds, along with four assists and a couple of steals. Still performing quite admirably, but didn't quite have the offensive firepower to get over the South Melbourne team. PJC, 14 points, 7 assists and 3 steals for him, creating a predictable amount of havoc on the offensive end of the floor. Mango Matiang was quite good in this game as well. 8 points, 8 rebounds, but no defensive stats to really speak of. The next star, Mantis Rupstash, Rupstash Vicious. I'm still struggling to say his name, but he had 11 points in 20-odd minutes and went two for three from the three-point line, proving he has got quite the stroke, looking very Chris Mullen-like, I must say. Uh, yeah, the breakers... Playing better, but not being able to close the deal away against the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix behind Mitch. Creek scoring 26 points along with 7 rebounds 2 assists and 3 steals doing his work at the defensive end there was a concerted effort by the Phoenix on the defensive end to turn the breakers over Gary Brown had 3 steals to go with his 12 points and 4 rebounds Alan Williams with his millionth double-double of his career just joking, Alan Williams the double double machine scored 10 points on 5 of 17 shooting taking a few ill-advised shots and not hitting a shot from the free throw line but he also had 14 rebounds and eight assists showing his acknowledgement of that with the goggles gesture on a number of occasions proving he can facilitate the offense, doesn't have to score all the points all the time when he's given the ball. Will Cummings, as I mentioned there, coming off the bench, 15 points and three rebounds and three assists, embracing his role for coach Mike Kelly, it seemed to be a bit of a restricted rotation for Mike against the Breakers here, allowing for a little bit more cohesiveness on the defensive end for South Melbourne. They had a total of 42 rebounds to the Breakers, 35, which I think enabled them to get on top here. The turnover count was even, the assists basically even, and the Breakers hit on 12 of 14 free throws, which was admirable compared to the 76% of the Phoenix who shot free throws relatively well for a change. Only Alan Williams there not connecting on one, but this was a good win for the South Melbourne Phoenix. The Breakers still without Will McDowell-White, one of their cornerstone pieces and playing with a lot of spirit, playing with heart, but that, unfortunately, is not what is going to get them wins without the offensive production behind it. So, in conclusion, the South East Melbourne Phoenix getting it done on the defensive end, not scoring to the rate that they would prefer, but taking care of the languishing breakers. Final score at John Kane Arena, 90 to the breakers, 79.
1: Diabolical for Adelaide. They have lost their last... 10 first halves. They were down by 20 at quarter time on Thursday. They don't need this to happen as Marcus Lee rocks the ring. He's Crawford upstairs. The lid on that one. Here is McNamee inside off the beat from Doyle. Won't get an easier look. Great pass. And at the other end, Anthony Drmic is loving it. Milton Doyle steps back and strops it.
3: Look out! And he's in
1: attack mode.
3: From the weak side with a monstrous block. Lee athletes moving in such pace. as Milton Doyle is there the last possession and just walk the clock out and seal a dominant thumping of the Adelaide 36ers, Tassie's biggest
0: win. In the game that costs CJ Bruton his job, the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers get their biggest win in their club's short history, pounding the Adelaide 36ers. 94 to 59. Oh dear. What a terrible showing by the 36ers. A dejected DJ Vasilievich in the post-game press conference called the scheduling a shit show. One of the worst road trips he's ever been on. Former coach CJ Bruton's eyes were stinging. But it's no excuse for such a poor showing by an NBL franchise. Trey Kell, 0 for 6 from the field. One rebound, one assist. The starting five for the 36ers were terrible. Vasilievich, 15 points on 4 of 10 shooting. Only hit one three-point shot. The 36ers were two for 11 from three-point land overall. 14 turnovers to their miserly 11 assists. This game simply spelled disaster for the 36ers head coach CJ Bruton. Who was struggling to find an answer after the first quarter? They were down 10 points to the Jack Jumpers. They only scored eight points in the second quarter. They equal their lowest game total as a team in franchise history. And the Jack Jumpers hold tough at home and take out a convincing victory. Deserves mention Sean McDonald, the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers development player. Played 21 and a half minutes, scored 15 points on six of nine shooting, was highly productive for his squad. Will Magney seven points. Five rebounds, but was plus 23 for the team. Jack McVay, a huge plus 46. Milton Doyle, plus 38. Anthony Drimmick 33. Jordan Crawford, plus 32. A convincing victory by the Jack Jumpers. In all honesty, they didn't face much resistance from the dejected Adelaide 36s squad, who are now scrambling to find answers it's not even really worth going through much of the stats here this game simply spelt doom for CJ Bruton who I believe has tried his best but has not been able to come up with the game plan necessary for the 36ers to hold tough and to be competitive. They have at times shown flashes of competitiveness and had some okay wins, but their losses have been terrible. There were signs in the preseason that they were simply not equipped to compete with the top team's in the NBL this season. CJ Bruton is now gone. Craig Simpson is now gone from the coaching staff. And Scott Ninnis is going to take over as the interim head coach Let's pray it doesn't get worse before it gets better for Adelaide, who look destined to finish on the bottom of the NBL ladder this season if they can't dig in and find the necessary motivation to be competitive with the rest of the league. I'm not going to waste too much more time on this game. As you heard in the intro of the podcast, CJ Bruton is now no longer the coach of the Adelaide 36ers. So, we'll just have to see how it pans out for them in the rest of the season here. But the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers continue their winning form, continue to show they're one of the best teams in the league, and win this game at home by 35 points.
3: Miller gets it almost in the halfway line. Happy to play it there. Pace the tie, band. Shot by the single digits. Miller exploring. Takes on Cameron. Gets the two draws a foul. Yeah, oh, what a play from Chris Golding. Of the year. Spectacular. And so is that for Pashir McCall oh, who adds another two. Led exclusively here. Cairns after scoring the first eight of the game. United yeah. drank it back to within six but Armstrong goes on with a dribble. Oh, nice move. Pat Miller who's it back here for the fans takes on Shea oh. Hill who gets the two and draws a foul. Still 73% from the field as well The Cairns Taipans. And now Chris Golding gets involved. Here's Golding touches in. Southern Melbourne United are back to within single digits. Being down by double figures at quarter time by 21 in the second, by 20 here in the third. and 40 hits it down. That's a man-sized finish. Roberts once more. High off the window adding another two to his tally. 20 now for him. Cairns Taipans have come up with their biggest ever win against Melbourne United and they've done it in style.
0: So in perhaps one of the upsets of the season the Cairns Taipans go to John Kane Arena to play Melbourne United and they get the victory behind 32 points by Patrick Miller. He went 12 of 16 from the Field shooting an amazingly high percentage, also had 10 assists and three steals. Quite an amazing game. Melbourne United could not shut him down. Cairns jumped out to an early lead in the first quarter and they never relinquished the lead throughout the game. Cairns smacked him in the mouth early, and although Melbourne United attempted To punch back, they weren't able to overcome the high-octane offense that Cairns were able to produce. We saw Josh Roberts unleashed by Adam Ford finally for Cairns. He had 22 points on 10 of 11 shooting from the field, an amazing efficiency rate there. He also had five rebounds and three blocks so are we going to see Cairns shooting up the ladder here. This is certainly a good sign for them. Adam Ford has adjusted the rotation to include Roberts. He played almost 27 minutes and was a huge factor in them being able to overcome Melbourne United. Tajima McCall had 23 points, went to the line 16 times, hitting 13 of his free throws. Good sign for him there. Also had four rebounds and six assists along with four steals and a block it was quite the game by the Taipans Adam Ford had them ready for this one and they played amazingly well shooting 56 percent from the three-point line as a team and I think maybe a season high in assists getting 25 overall to only nine turnovers. They were active on defense, getting in the passing lanes and disrupting what Melbourne United wanted to do and got up and down the floor with great speed and efficiency and were able to amass a total of 115 points, which topped the Wildcats effort against Sydney earlier in the round. Chris Goulding had 23 points for Melbourne, was 5 of 8 from the three-point line, but Cairns were able to keep out many of the other contributors from United. To limit them, United still scored 103 points for the game, but they were simply not able to keep up with the scoring rate of the Taipans. United shot a horrible 67% from the free-throw line as a team, so they definitely needed to make those at a better rate. Notably Shay Illy, Ariel Hookporty, only hitting fifty percent of their free throws. Joe Luala Chul, the same. His scoring rate was kept down. He only had nine points, nine rebounds, a steal, and three blocks. Was quite active but was not able to overcome the effort of his counterpart in Josh Roberts. Luke Travis had 14 points on 5 of 6 shooting, along with 7 rebounds and a couple of steals. The counting stats were pretty good for Melbourne United, but they just weren't able to keep up with the Taipans. Matthew Dellavedova had 21 points. Points in a return to form for him. He also had nine assists, but also committed five turnovers, as did Shea Illy, who had 12 points, and it was simply too many turnovers on offense for United. And the Taipans were able to go the other way and punish them for the majority of this game. So the Taipans take out a big win here and signal to the rest of the competition that they're far from done this season. They knock off the top team in the league and get the victory by 12 points.
1: And, drive to the and slams it down on the move. That's a tough finish. Albrecht has given them some spark. Robinson from outside. It's good. That'll help. You can hear a pen drop in this arena. This is just all too common right now. Baines, that's a settling basket for Brisbane. Hawks by one. <laughs> Justin Fields probably thankful that you can't challenge that. And Justin Robinson, another 3 ball Gone a little cold for the bullets all of a sudden. Oh, oh. That'll help their course. Isaac White off to the races at the other end. Good take. No. Illawarra looking to make it two wins in a row. In-room coach oh. Taylor. Great pass. Loose ball falls to Brisbane. Harrison scores. No, no. Renewed energy with this Illawarra team. McDaniel in the mid-range, loves it there, Harvey, wide open this time, rattles out, offensive rebound by Lee, Hawks can reset as Clark spins and scores, one point game Timeout Brisbane, they turn to Gary Clark, blocked by Harrison, big defensive possession by Brisbane, game, set, match, the Forts survive another close one, on the weekend. So the energy
0: and the vibe is different for the Illawarra Hawks under Justin Tatum. They fought hard against the Brisbane Bullets. Unfortunately, though, they come up one point short and the Bullets... Hold on, despite a low-scoring second half to take the game out. It was a funny old game, and the Bullets shot a horrible 47% from the free throw line. Had it not been for efforts from Isaac White... Off the bench, in important moments, the Bullets may have dropped this one. They're in the process of reincorporating Shannon Scott into the lineup. He was 2 of 9, only 4 points and 4 assists, but he should find his legs pretty soon. Justin Shuler noted that Nathan Sobey had one of his better games, despite only scoring a total of 8 Points He did amass seven rebounds and six assists, looking to get other guys involved on the offensive end of the floor, which also contributed to the win. Sam McDaniel was hitting from the mid-range, 11 points on five of nine shooting. Chris Smith was the team leader in scoring. He had 16 points on six of 12 from the field. Did fade a little bit towards the end of the game, but did enough to help them get over the line. It was good to see Aaron Baines scoring 10 points on 4 of 7. Had 4 rebounds. Tyler Harrison... Had 10 points and 8 rebounds, along with a couple of blocks. We didn't see much of Rocco Zakarski. He had 1.3 rebounds and no other counting stats, but the rotation worked well enough for the Bullets to get over the newly-invigorated Illawarra Hawks. Justin Robinson had an improved game. He had 13 points, three rebounds, and four assists. Tyler Harvey, unfortunately, went one for 11 from the field for only five points. Did not connect on any of his seven three-point attempts, but Justin Tatum Expressed confidence in those shots starting to drop for Tyler as time marches on. Sam Froling had 11 points and three rebounds, was active at both ends of the floor. He seems to be finding some new energy under Justin Tatum. We saw more minutes from Mason Peatling, who had eight points on three of five shooting. Hugh Young Lee, 10 points off the bench on three of four shooting. All of those were three-point makes. Swaka Lobulik played over 17 minutes for six points and an assist. But Todd Blanchfield, who we didn't see much of under Jacob Jacquemus, noted that the Hawks' defense is what is enabling them to keep opposing teams to a lower score, executing their scout something they may not have been doing as well under Jacob Jacquemus. Lachlan Albrick played 16 minutes and had 6 points, 3 rebounds, but 4 assists, proving he is quite the versatile 5-man. Gary Clark finished with 13 points on 5 of 13 shooting. He had 9 rebounds along with an assist and a steal. Not able to score in the final moments of the game to get them over the line. Usually we would see the ball go to Tyler Harvey. He was not on the floor for the closing stages of the game. They went to Clark. He wasn't quite able to make the final shot there, despite putting them one point down with about 30 seconds to go. So despite all that, the Illawarra Hawks showing new energy, playing a lot better under Justin Tatum, but they go down to the Brisbane Bullets up at Nissan Arena. Final score there, the Bullets 78 to the Hawks 77. And so as we head in to round 10, Scott Dinnis takes the reins there at Adelaide. A legendary player for the team. We'll have to wait and see what he can do with that squad. They are seemingly in disarray at the moment. Could a coaching change invigorate them and elevate them off the bottom of the NBL ladder? We'll have to wait and see as the season progresses. We saw some high-scoring games in Round 9, some low-scoring grind-out games as well. Despite that Adelaide blowout, most of the games in NBL 24 have been highly competitive And aesthetically very good to watch if you enjoy shot making and physical defense that seems to be the way a lot of games are going this season and the NBL despite its critics is rising in popularity every round this season this is reflected in attendance at games and viewership around the world not only Australia and I have enjoyed immensely the majority Majority of all the games that have occurred this season We saw the top team get knocked off in round nine by Cairns Sydney knocked over by Perth and voices from Perth think that Sydney disrespected Bryce Cotton in that game. Can't wait for the rematch that occurs later in the year. It's impossible to pick who's going to take it out this season, but you can have absolutely no doubt that I'll be watching intently and bringing you these recaps every week on the Garbage Time Basketball Podcast where we are highly NBL-focused and big supporters of the league. So thanks very much for listening to the podcast you can follow us on social media at gt basketball pod on instagram and on twitter garbage time basketball podcast on facebook and we're on tiktok and all the podcast aggregating the platforms enjoy round 10 guys and i'll get at you again next week